Yo, 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 what is good, everybody? Welcome back to Mount Draftmore. You know what it is. Mount Draftmore. The Core 4 is back in the building, ready to bring you another Season 2 special. Because we're back, baby. We're back. We are back. We ben, back. Ben jamming at the boards, and you know we got Matty Ice. What, what? We got Dylan. Hi. We got Dustin in the hot seat. I'm back, baby. We already <laughs> told you about the hot seat, but you, you know how it is. Dustin's hot. He's hot Woo. in the hot seat. Sizzling over there. About to get you stole my word. <laughs> you look hot too with Darn. that with that uh tie, man. Ah, thank you. It's good. Dress for success. I'm walking in like game time. Coach talked to me. Gotta come in sharp. Yeah, you're the voice of Draftmore. Mount Draftmore. So you gotta put up. <laughs> exactly. We expect you to wear a tie from now on because you are the voice. <laughs> you gotta remain professional at all times. Yep, I'm gonna be chewing gum on the sidelines even when I'm not in the episode. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, hey. Come on. That's pretty funny. So today we're doing war movies. Those are movies that are realistic to real world war. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know a lot about war movies. So this is just gonna be a three man draft and I'm gonna run the boards, kinda just throw in my opinion every now and again. But <laughs> Hey, I know that one. <laughs> yeah. Like Dylan, Matt, and Dustin, they know war movies, so just hey, let let the experts take this one. There you go. We'll defer to them. Boys, you ready to go? Let's do it. Well, yep. to start, we got to roll that dice. So, Matt, you roll the dice first. A nice 14. Nice 14. Come on, best here. Oh, that's a 20. 20, nice. That sounds going to win. <laughs> it, got, it got a good old-fashioned one. <laughs> Dustin with the one. And you know what? Damn. Since I'm, uh, since I'm not participating in this draft and i feel like the commissioner at the moment we're gonna run a re we're gonna run the opposite end so dustin will have the first pick. matt will have the second pick and dylan will have the third pick we're gonna go low number goes first because i feel like i have i have that power why not because i'm not rolling so that's what i'm choosing to do since i'm not rolling there you go damn call that call that i guess I've got the uh, wraparound. Yeah, it's an executive decision. We'll see how it works. That's out. the curveball seat over there. The My gosh, curveball! Here we go. Round <laughs> one. Dustin, I put the pressure on you. Who you got? You did. Okay, I don't know if this is a McDonald's pick, but for me, it kind of feels like it's a no-brainer. It's classic. It's really, really well made with some big names in it. Saving Private Ryan seems like yeah, it had to be. Yeah, had to be right. Is I mean, good. Matt, what do you call Tom Hanks again? Like the great Tom Hanks is without a doubt like there's no problems with Tom Hanks and he everything he does turns to gold. I feel like you've described him as America's I've, like he's like America's sweetheart. sweetheart. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. If, if if you don't love Tom Hanks, you're a psycho. You know what? If Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio wasn't off on his yacht with models every other day, he would be Tom Hanks. He would be like the next for Tom real. <laughs> he would be because everything he touches turns to gold. But you know what? He's a bachelor with all those models doing God knows what on his yacht. I mean, and but at this time, like he's kind of middle aged and he's kind of like settled down. Like <laughs> true, true. He's in his forties. Like it's pretty wild to think about. Yeah, but yeah. Saving Private Ryan. I mean, that's an easy one. Yeah, easy one. Easy it's one. so good. I actually went to Normandy, France, and in the American Cemetery by Normandy. They actually were playing clips from the movie because wow. it starts off with D-Day and it's a pretty horrifyingly well done opening, you know. I've heard it's pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. It's pretty scary. Um, but, I mean, a lot of the war movies, too, what I always think about the genre is, because I was talking to Marjorie about this, actually, and she saw some posts about, like, 
some war movies being propaganda. And I was like, certainly like back in the day, especially with the Westerns, or you can have them lean too far into the, we're painting a very specific like political takeaway. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I feel like the best ones don't really glorify war. They make you think and reflect on like a really horrifying time that is real, right? It happened. Yeah. It's just depicting like one of the most important single day events and then over time the invasion of Normandy of the 20th century and that movie does that it has some of the classic tropes just like all quiet on the western front with like looking at the enemy soldier there's a whole scene with like the POW where Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks has to kind of just be like this commander who really doesn't have all the answers in life but he's trying to figure out like do we murder this person this German who's giving himself up yeah giving himself up or let him walk or what well, to do. And then that comes back later. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and a bit of poetic brilliance, really, with the knife fight struggle Ooh. that ends quite tragically. Yeah. And that horrified me as a kid. Oh, oh my yeah. Gosh. Oh, dude, it's Ooh. it's horrifying knowing that, I like, that for two weeks, like, not oh only God. could you have ended that guy's life and avoided that situation, but, like, you aren't going to win that fight. And that's it. I also feel like it brings up an interesting moral dilemma in the movie where it's like, you uh, at the end if i'm remembering right seven out of the eight that went to go get private ryan mm-hmm. die mm-hmm. it's like it, it gets into like one. survivor's guilt too because not only does ryan survive that but again he's the only brother that lives out of his family so there's that it's like compounded yes like yep. he survived two incredibly traumatic experiences that are directly linked and he's only alive because of what transpired. Mm-hmm. So talk about like messing up your head. Like, God, yeah. how can you live with that? It's a brilliant movie. It yeah. is. And I feel like this is just me coming in without doing really any research. Cause I used to be obsessed with this genre, especially. And I feel like now I'm actually falling a little bit behind. So I got to catch up. There's a couple that I still have to see. I'm not going to name, but yeah, this is just me going off the top of my head. This is like the classic. This is the one that, if that, you're, that opening sequence is just like when they land on Omaha Beach. Oh, it's just dude, it's, uh, insane. it's so powerful. I feel like was it Saving Private Ryan that spawned and maybe like also baby boomers kind of getting into middle age slash like the greatest generation moving to nursing homes. Was it this movie and all that other stuff that kind of spawned the World War II fanaticism that we saw for like the next 15 years? Yeah, this was like this is the gold standard of like World War II movies, without a doubt. Like this is the one that everybody's trying to replicate. Yeah. Well, and then uh, Tom Hanks went along and did Band of Brothers as well. He was involved in that project, right? Yeah, he was like executive producer. Mm, Phenomenal series, and that was amazing. You know, and we know Mr. Franchise had that in. I uh, did. What what podcast was that? I forget which one that was. It was uh, TV shows, two thousand TV shows. I chose that. Yeah. Nice. Hell of a series. I've seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Saving Private Ryan too. Great, yeah, yeah, great, yeah. phenomenal, great pick. Yeah. That, that, that that's a good way to start. Yes, it. great. I had job. to go there. Great job. Sweet. Let's I would have done on. the same thing. Yes, I would have too. Actually, I was going to pick that. Yep. So yes. that's the McDonald's pick. Good that pick. Is. Good pick. But it's a McDonald's pick that lives up to the McDonald's pick. Yeah, that's the thing. Woo woo. Yep. Just keep hyping it. Up. Yep. I will take this I all. Will. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. All right, Matty Ice. All right. Well, with my pick, I'm also going to take a one that really is, it is an experience to watch it. 
partially because there's so much going on that you need to digest. And it's another one that's not a glorification of war or anything like that, but it's more of a thought-provoking film. That's Apocalypse Now. Mm. Mm. Talking about a true, like, in-depth look at Vietnam of why are we there? (laughs) And then also, what does it do to soldiers? Mm-hmm. And it has, I mean, the cast of casts as well. You're talking about a Marlon Brando playing Colonel Kurtz, the guy who is sent off to do like spec ops in the jungle and goes absolutely crazy because, again, this is a monumental assignment that he's given and he just can't handle it. His mind breaks and he becomes like a cult-like figure out in the jungle. Mm-hmm. So then they bring in Martin Sheen, a young Martin Sheen, to go hunt his ass down. And bring them back because the U.S. Army is like, we can't have this psycho out in the jungle basically raising up a Vietnamese rebellion of sorts. We can't have that. So on top of that, you got to go out there. But then in the process of getting to Kurtz because he's so deep in the jungle, Martin Sheen goes through active and inactive war zones where you're encountering guys who love the smell of napalm in the morning to other guys who are just like, why are we even here? And it's just more of this like question of again, what's the objective here? Why mm-hmm. why are we in Vietnam? You see death and you see joy, and it's just this whole it is like a psychedelic trip of a movie with yeah. all the imagery and just the the overall thought experiment of just trying to contemplate the purpose behind this. It's got everybody in there. It's got again Marlon Brando, Martin Sheen, a young Harrison Ford makes an appearance. You've got a young Lawrence Fishburne in there who he lied about his age in order to get into the movie. Um You've got, uh, God, the guy who is, the, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. He's a very famous actor, too. I'm forgetting, I'm blinking on the name. But, yeah, that is a Such hell a of famous a famous line. Hell of a war movie. The riot of the Valkyries, the, the like, the Hueys flying over Vietnam. Like, yeah, that that's a war movie that you, you watch it, and then you're just like, whoa. Yeah. What did I just watch? Doesn't that end also with, um, isn't it, like, the horror yeah, that's the, the famous horror. last the horror. <laughs> when there's like famous quotes from a movie, I don't know. I don't know why, but it definitely raises it in my mind just because I'm just like the iconic factor mm-hmm. of like the reckon, like how many people have kind of rolled off and like alluded to that moment. Seinfeld has a moment where they actually reference it. Like if you have a goofy ass comedy about nothing referencing a war movie, well, it's pretty famous. So. Yeah. It's also based on the Heart of Darkness. Yeah. Yeah, it is the An film adaptation. adaptation of the Heart of Darkness. Exactly. I remember reading Heart of Darkness like a long time ago in like high school. I'm surprised that we actually read that, but yeah, <laughs> it is it is crazy. And it's also a movie that's in the National Archives. I think yeah. Saving Pride Ryan's probably in there too, but yeah, um, it's, it's definitely like interesting too with the like thought experiment thing that you said. I like yeah. that. That's a really good point. Because it, it really like, is a commentary of like what what are we what are we going on? What are we doing? But also like how does this impact like actual people who are fighting this war, right? Yeah. You know, and it, mm-hmm. it breaks people, as in the Ooh. case of Colonel Kurtz. So good pick. Yeah. Crazy, 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 crazy movie. Good pick. That is good. Oh pick. Robert Duvall. That's pick. that's who I was thinking oh, of. Oh yeah. Robert Duvall. Yeah. Helvacast. Man. Wow. What a great pick. Um oh. I, okay, so this is difficult, but I think I have to go with a newer, slightly newer pick. Ooh la la. Um, and it's because it's just so good. I'm going with 1917. Oh. And I also think it's really important to that cover was my other pick. a different... Damn you. I want to go with a different <laughs> war for this. Such a good movie. So for those who don't know, if you can't tell by the title of the movie, 1917 is about World War One. Wait. 
That happened in 1970. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a first one. I thought there was only yeah. number two. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's again just like Saving Private Ryan. You know, similar theme. Uh, it's it's a couple of soldiers sent on a pretty impossible mission, and um, it starts off. I think kind of typical, except you're exploring like the barren wasteland of what a World War One European battlefront looked like um, after the army was gone. I mean, just like cratered earth that is still cratered today, littered with mines, unexploded um, shells, unexploded shells. The craters are usually filled with like toxic water because the mustard gas has mixed with the Ooh. water and the rain and just pooled in there. And there are stories of like soldiers not being able to crawl out of them. And it really, it depicts that horror quite well. Um, and it's just these two guys, you know, going through, it's quite lonely in fact. And, and that's what the film kind of becomes, you know, yours is a thought experiment on, on almost like the mental instability of war. And this is really a thought experiment on what war can be, uh, how war can be lonely yeah. almost, you know? Um, it, it is one of the most, like, the cinematography is, like, off the charts. Mm -hmm. Just, like, mm -hmm. I remember the, the, the scene where he is, like, running through in the middle of the night that, like, shelled out town. Yes. And all the only light you see is the flares going up in the sky. Yeah. That illuminates everything. And it's Very just red. like, oh, my God. God, that is it's mm. it's it, you watch it and it's just like holy hell. If someone didn't talk about the cinematography, I was gonna be like Dylan. <clears throat> oh no, <clears throat> no no no. And cinematography a lot of it is like single shot long. Yeah, the, the final sequences. when he's running across, that's one shot, <clears throat> which yeah. is nuts, hella impressive. And none of those extras like like screwed that up is crazy. No, <laughs> yeah, it's right? really insane. And the color palette too. The way it switches, um, you know, I mean, it, it puts you almost at ease in a weird way when, um, I don't know, should I do spoilers? Is that okay? Yeah, go yeah. for like it. When he You've been alerted. When We're he, talking about 1917. Yeah, yeah, spoilers. When he loses his friend and you're you're almost at ease because they're at like a farm. Things are kind of chill. They're off they the battlefield. The they yeah. find the milk. But then, you know, like that downed soldier comes and stabs, stabs him, him yeah. and that's it like that that's a dick that's a wrap <laughs> like that dude's yeah. dead real quick after that and then he the uh, the main character is alone the guy mm. you didn't even maybe think was the main character and and so you go through like from thinking you're safe to being very unsafe and from then on it's like you're on the edge of your seat oh my god when he when he crosses that river and then there's the german sniper in the window yes. and he goes into that building and then you just hear a gunshot and you're like, what just happened? And then mm -hmm. the screen just go black. Oh my God. Yes. And Made then me jump out of my seat. The color palette, <laughs> the color palette in that cratered out city yep. is like red and black and it's like hell on earth. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's getting shot at. Oh my God. It's very well done. That whole movie. And I think it deserves to be in the first round. For I would have, sure. you know, I was contemplating between apocalypse now and that. So X, this is probably a great war movie first round. I think the only other, if we had an extra person, the only other first round would have to be, um, well, maybe well, I shouldn't yeah, say. Don't say oh, it. Might come up. Sorry, it might come up. to disappoint on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could draft it, but yeah. Nah, I'm. I said I was out of this draft. It's chill. It's yeah. Good first round, fellas. 
Mount Draftmore. Hi, friends. Have you been working that long shift punching the clock at corporate hell? It is lunchtime, your only slice of heaven. Well, don't be bullied into that cold sandwich or yogurt. You deserve a nice heaping help of last night's culinary delights. Yummy. With the break room microwave, you can do just that. Enjoy that spaghetti from last week, that meatloaf from last night, or even a warmed-up hard-boiled egg for breakfast. The break room microwave lets you take a trip to Flavortown, and nobody's going to have the balls to stop you. Be like Joffrey and bring in that fast, casual Indian food. Or maybe be like Milton from HR and bring in that two-day-old fresh catch as your lunch of choice. Either way, that break room microwave is here for you. So next time you're feeling down, Bring that stinky shit to work. Treat your taste buds. Mount Draftmore. Round two. Hit you with some like war type music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I was like, oh is that God. from 1917? I love it. It's so good. It's giving us laughs in an episode that probably won't have a lot. <laughs> right. Gonna need a montage. Uh-huh. Montage. <laughs> right, y'all. Round two. Uh, okay. Well, I think just to do the wraparound for round two, um, I'm going to go with something with a little more levity, and it's going to be Inglorious Bastards. Oh, Dylan, why are you picking all my picks? <laughs> I love Quentin Tarantino. And you know what? I like Brad Pitt. I like everyone in this movie. I just love when Brad Pitt's giving his infamous speech and he goes, we're in the business of killing Nazis. And boys, business is good. It's it's just, it hits. It hits so hard, especially because, you know, very few people love and admire Nazis, except for Nazis. (laughs) 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 And just like... Oh my God, car! Like it's so brutal. Um, what? Who's the guy with the bat? You know, uh, Donnie. 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 Yeah. Oh my God, and and he just beats the ever-loving shit out of Nazis. Then they carve the swastika in their the heads so that no one can ever mistake them ever again for not being a Nazi. Yeah, I love that monologue. I bet you're gonna go take off that fine-looking uniform. <laughs> I'll give you something you can't take off. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's somewhat insane and then brad pitt's character you know i mean one of the reasons he goes so hard is because he's got that um mark across his neck you know someone tried to kill him and 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 there's just a lot of weirdly great character growth that only quentin tarantino can do in such a short movie um awesome dialogue brutal violence um, and the strange catharsis of seeing people who you hate be brutally killed and tortured. Oh, God. The, when, like, they're just pumping Hitler full of lead in the movie theater. <laughs> you're just like, yeah! Yes! You took that, you son of a bitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Christopher Waltz. I mean, oh man, What so a good. So boss. Good. Uh, and, oh, oh, oh. And, and, and... Brad Pitt demands scalps like because he says like I got a little Apache in me and I don't know how appropriate that is but like <laughs> it's yeah I don't know it's it's just a great movie it's so brutal 
Well, and just like classic Tarantino, like spaghetti western, like mm-hmm. it's got comedy, it's got action, drama. Yeah, it's everything broken you up want. in sort of a classic movie format. It's broken up into several different sequences, right? It has its war sequence. It does have the comedy sequence. It has, uh, I, I don't. It has the theater sequence, the sequence at the beginning, which is incredibly nerve wracking, where the family is like trying to legit hide a family of Jews. Um, and then they run away and then that comes back later in the film. Um, oh man, what a just, I, I mean, brilliant piece of cinema. Truly. I, I love like at the theater when they, they're pretending to be like Italians. And he's like, oh, Jerno. Uh-huh. Brad Pitt. I do love Brad Pitt. He's not usually a very subtle actor but i do think he did a fantastic job in this film like doing character uh, a film rather than just being himself it, it's so funny too like tarantino gets all these like a-list celebrities being in these movies which are objectively just like funny like, <laughs> not, not what you expect from like oscar winners or whatever like they put on they play these characters that's like really brat pitt played him like mm, you just uh-huh. wouldn't expect yeah. good movie i would have picked that yeah Excellent, man. Yeah. Well, you know Brad Pitt's a good old Missouri boy. I did not know I that. I did not know that, actually, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I had zero clue. He used to... Okay, so everyone goes down to the Lake of the Ozarks for their summertime activities, and he would regularly get spotted down there bringing Angelina Jolie and their kids wow. uh, to the Lake of the Ozarks. Hmm. Which is... The more, the more you know. A strange place to bring someone you love when you're that wealthy (laughs) that was like your second time assuming a lot of us and a lot of the audience you're like (laughs) from missouri missouri i had zero clue you also that's why i jumped in with the 1917 part because i laughed i was like i know we're all history buffs here but i could honestly see someone being like oh i did not know obviously that 1917 was world war one but now you do Learning stuff. Mr. Moyer's educating y'all. Oh. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I was right. I was right. Sorry. Okay. I just had to make sure. He's from Springfield, Missouri, y'all. Okay. All right. right. Move on. Moving on. on. (laughs) All right, Matt. All right. Well, I had those two on my list, so uh, damn you. (laughs) But the one I'm going to choose is a war from a real long time ago. Don't you dare. I'm going with 300. Oh, Oh, wow. That's fine. So, 300, this is the classical war between the Spartans slash the Greeks, all right, and then the Persians. This actually did happen, so this is draftable, but this is a kick-ass war movie. This is not one that is full of, like, making you think or whatever. It's just a Zack <laughs> Zach Snyder thrill ride. This is Sparta! Exactly. <laughs> it's nothing but, like, everything is in shades of white, black, and gray, and it's just kick-ass from beginning <laughs> to end. You can't deny the fact that you love 300 when he kicks him down the pit, when they're just like, <laughs> Spartans! And like, I prefer to fight in the shade. Like, the, ooh, ooh, ooh. like this movie gets you hyped. This is a good war movie so because it like... <laughs> It crosses off, it checks the box of like a war movie that you're just like, this kicks ass. Yes. Like, 
Hey Matt, how old were we when that movie came out? Oh god, when did when did Three Hundred come out? Like I think came we were out like like two thousand seven. I want to yeah, say yeah, I want to say two thousand seven. Well, yeah, I feel like two thousand seven. We were right. like eighth graders. Uh, I remember that being like middle school. Sparta. <laughs> you guys my are students right. don't know. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, my students don't know about that movie. By the way, whenever I ask them, I'm like, "Have you all seen Three Hundred? I just watched that the other See, day." I had life. a I had a cool history teacher in high school for my ninth grade world history who showed us like as small of a clip as he could of that movie because he's like, this did happen, and this is as much as I could show you without getting fired. And I was like, I see you. Yes. You're, you're the guy right here. This is my guy because this movie kicks ass. That's funny. <laughs> and for as much as we've had thought-provoking ones, Dylan's coming with the comedy. I'm coming in with the wall-to-wall, grab your seat because it's going to be some action right here. Yes. I, I do love the way that you described it. You don't got to think. Let's go. <laughs> but am I wrong, though? That's no. what 300 is. No, you're, no. Not, you're definitely not wrong. <laughs> so good. I mean, it's it's amazing. My wife loves this movie. And usually she wants to watch the thought-provoking <laughs> movies, right? And I'm like, I want to watch the like B-list horror movie. But we can both agree on 300 and meet in the middle. Yeah. Right, that, so good. The slow motion where Leonidas has the spear and he's just chucking that as Xerxes and it just goes like grazes him. Yes. You're like, damn, that was uh, badass. <laughs> I did watch that with my family. We do that outdoor movie thing. Yeah. Like screen, driveway, friends, fam. And I was like, yeah, let's go. And then I definitely remember being an eighth grader with my mom to my right and feeling like <laughs> hella awkward during those uh-huh. like, random sex scenes where they're like, yeah, this ripped Spartan. Yeah, sex. And it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry, mom, that we played. I know. Or like when they like they they bring that. I think like the sacrifice, like whoever like the the mystical like woman is, and yeah. then they got all those like gross like mutant type of dudes that are like making oh, all this. Yeah. That, yeah. I I will say that I was a pretty awkward kid, so maybe not everyone felt that, but I definitely felt one of those like. Oh, titties. Don't, <laughs> don't look like you're into it, even though you're kind of into it. Like, your parents are there, and they're going to judge you. Nothing to see here. Yeah. <laughs> Act normal, sit still. You know what I also like, though? I like the just the characters. So, uh, Dilios, the, um, the narrator... The uh, that's David Winham. Oh my God, yeah. his voice so good is so good. Like what a storyteller! He's like, and then we march to the hot gates, <laughs> and then my king, my king Leonidas died, and like just he gets you hyped through the whole film, and then ten thousand Spartans <laughs> rode free ten thousand free Greeks. You know, yeah. and, and and they get you really hyped, <laughs> and then you also got Ephialtes. And uh, how much he just like pisses you off because mm-hmm. he's such a little, you, you know what, right? Um, letting them in through the back door. Oh, the, yeah. The sheep herding path. He mm. was all butthurt. He couldn't be a Spartan. Yeah. And Leonidas was like literally just practical. Like, hey, man, can you raise a shield? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't. He's like, sorry, you can't do it then. But that's also, it's. I think that's really cool because this movie is a little bit deeper. Like, yes, mm. it's, it is let's go. But it's a little bit deeper because that goes into sort of like the Greek hubris, right? Leonidas is like, no, you can't be a Spartan, you know, like, sorry. Um, but, like, if he had given Ephialtes a job of some sort. They would have been fine. Yeah, I mean. They could have held, held out at the hot gates for days. Yes. 
Mm. And he didn't. And so that is that is a theme in Greek literature, actually. Mm. Oh, I mean, the Spartans, without a doubt, like classically succumbed to hubris because they thought they were better than everybody. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great but anyway, that, that's, that's, a, that's a talk Wait about Wait a minute. Yeah. I thought I didn't have to think for this one. There's not too much thinking. Screw you, Mr. Moyer. There's a, there's a little bit of thinking. Mostly me. it's wall-to-wall action, though. <laughs> Literally wall-to-wall yeah. action. Pun yes. intended. <laughs> All right. Good picks, gentlemen. Well, I love it. <laughs> nice. I, I was not going to go with this this round. I do have the wraparound, so it's just semantics at this point, whether it's second or third. But I'll just keep it going in the second round with the movies that don't require as much heavy thoughts. And I'll go with Tropic Thunder. Yes! yes. I think it's kind of like almost a war movie within a war movie because... It's a movie about a movie about a movie. It's, yes. <laughs> and as someone who grew up watching this genre a lot, I was dying in the theaters, laughing at all the jokes, like going in on the genre. Like we just talked about... Oh my gosh, 1917. Oh, the extras, they all had to get it right. Like, there's all this production value in a war movie. It's really hard to make an action, like, combat scene look as realistic as it does. Well, I almost mentioned when you were saying that, Dylan, 1917, I didn't want to give away the pick, but, like, right away, they start off with the botched war scene, which has so many jokes about the genre in it already. Oh. <laughs> like, they have Ben Stiller getting shot to death with, like, the really dramatic, like, ambiguously <laughs> ethnic music playing, and his arms are in the air, and he's getting hit by, like, a thousand bullets, and he's still he's doing not the platoon down. thing, yeah. <laughs> Then all of a sudden they're like, no, the scene's going horribly. He's crying with these like really fake prosthetic arms. And then you got the overhyped explosive guy ready to blow everything up. Like that's the signal. Mother nature just pissed her pants. (laughs) (laughs) The star studded cast. I can't get it together. I actually like there's some jokes in there and there's some parts that yes, I don't think anyone would make in 2021. I mean, Robert Downey Jr.'s character probably. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But I will say, okay, back in the day, it came out. I think I would give it a shot. I would like say, keep a critical mind when you're watching it. But I think it ages better than some people give it credit for. Yes. It's very smart about how they're doing it. Like they're roasting Downey Jr.'s character the whole time. Like he is the butt end of the joke. Mm -hmm. And there's so many, and there's actually like, kind of like Dylan's saying about 300, like you don't have to think, but then there's actually a lot of thought that goes into a lot of that stuff. So like in identity politics, there's that great scene at the end, which what's that one guy's name? He's Canadian. He's really skinny. He like often kind of gets typecast in that like, Hey guys, like I'm a stoner kid. And you know, I I know exactly what you're talking about. He's been in movies like she's out of my league, that kind of stuff. He has a man seeking Mm -hmm. woman show, which is actually great. I just started watching that, but he comes in this great scene about identity politics. Everyone's like effing losing their mind. Jack Black, (laughs) Jack Black is like, they only laugh at me because of my farts. I'm in all these dumb comedies. Robert Downer Jr. Is like taking off his like weird contacts. And he's like, I'm Australian. Yeah. I don't know who I am. I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another, another dude. dude. <laughs> he like looks at the mirror, hits it. That's when that nerdy kid comes in. He's like, oh my gosh, like you all need a lot of therapy. Like we're having a real crisis right now, which I think is just so funny. That movie's got jokes on jokes on jokes. When I, I was, mean, comedic oh, heavyweights. I mean, yes. Jack Black and Ben so Stiller. Like, yes. I've watched that movie years after seeing it. And I've seen it multiple times, and every time I feel like it gets me. Like, there's just something about that movie. Like, 
So Saving Private Ryan, my first pick, there's that really iconic scene. Mm -hmm. The grenade goes off, and Tom Hanks' hearing's kind of out, and he's on the beach, and he's seen... It's ringing. It's ringing. He's seen the carnage. They allude to that in the funniest effing way. Like, he's looking around, and these overpaid actors, there's, like, real flame. It's when they're actually in the real firefight. He's, like, looking over, and then he looks back, and Jack Black's in that, like, weird kind of undie thing he made out of, (laughs) and he's, like, grabbing his butt, (laughs) and that's the only thing that breaks the silence. Jack Black screaming, my ass! (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yes, they're alluding real things in this genre and just not holding back. The last thing I'll say about it, because I think that movie's just really clever. It's a really clever comedy. Um, The very beginning with the fake ads... Those alone mm-hmm. are genius. Robert Downey, uh, Downey Jr. one about the like gay priest. Oh yeah. my God, yes. And like it's like, ooh, it's in SIF and all these uh, film festivals. They capture that vibe perfectly. Ben Stiller's like joke one, like the really shitty blockbuster that is like not very substantial at all that has six remakes. <laughs> capture it perfectly. The one that they start with, if I'm not mistaken, is booty sweat booty set oh my god that i remember watching that was remember watching that with my parents and being like yes i'm gonna uh i'm gonna go (laughs) i I gotta go to the bathroom for a little bit yeah i'm just gonna get out of this room right now this is too much because my mom leaned in and went is this real (laughs) i was like oh god i hope not and i was just like is this gonna be the whole movie and she actually ended up loving it yeah like she loves that movie so uncomfortable though so uncomfortable i mean yes simple jack wouldn't be made today that movie is just clever though like yeah a lot of of subtlety there yeah i saw a really good interview with uh actually who was interviewing him i think maybe it might have been joe rogan interviewing jamie fox Jamie mm. Fox, because they're talking about um, like uh, R.D. Robert Downey Jr. doing, you know, like blackface. And mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx was like, no, that shit was brilliant. Like yes. that is a social commentary in and of itself. Yes. Um, now, Jamie Foxx doesn't speak for all black people. Yeah, that's obvious. Right. But yeah. it is like it like it is a pretty brilliant commentary. Yeah. I mean, I feel like. My positionality, I'm not going to go head-to-head with anybody on this. They bring no. it up. I'm like, sure, yeah, it wouldn't be made today. But No, of course not. They were trying to really hit on some commentary. Yeah. And I do agree. I mean, I'm just like, okay. It's kind of like I was in this American Indian cinema class, and this professor is roasting um, Dances with Wolves. And I was like, I agree with all the critiques. They're all hella valid. And then the TA, who's also native, like when he left, she's like, I love this movie. I do agree. <laughs> it's terrible that they did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But damn, like this was big when it came out. Yes. And it broke it ground. Was, it was it groundbreaking out. at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, you know, take it. There's a little asterisk yes. next to it. Matthew McConaughey's character is brilliant. Tom Cruise is hilarious. Tom Cruise uh-huh. is hilarious. The cast is great. Oh, yep. my gosh. There's that scene where... <laughs> he kills that panda calls his agent he's like i killed a panda <laughs> what what you killed amanda you killed a stripper and it's like no a panda a panda Dude, amanda's probably not even a real name okay here's what you do you get <laughs> and matthew mcconaughey as the agent makes it oh gold. he makes it fucking gold playing we and he's like oh how's the adoption going oh not very good well at least you get to pick yours and they flash to like the image of him and his son it's like so so good so 
Excellent pick. Yeah. yeah good, good comedy. Good, pick, good, good comedy. Pick. That being said, probably shouldn't be made today. No. no. Probably not. Hey, that was a good first round, everybody. Trivia, a little Ooh. bit of facts, a little us. bit of everything. Let's do it. Here you go. Uh. Here you go. What is the highest grossing, like, real war movie? Mm. Highest grossing. And if you want, I can give you, like, the top three or yes. top four in no, ra- like, in a random order. Yes. Yep. Okay. So, Saving Private Ryan, American Sniper, Gone with the Wind, and Pearl Harbor. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the well, I don't know. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Matt, you go. Pearl Harbor. <sighs> okay, just to be different, so I can maybe win. Jeez. <coughs> Saving Private Ryan. These are all great guesses, and it's really it, it comes down to like how you want to break down the numbers if you account for inflation. It's gone with the wind yeah. by a lot. That's what I thought, but yes. I was like, I don't know. But here's the craziness: like thinking about that, it, that adjusted inflation worldwide gross for Gone with the Wind was three point four billion dollars. Wow! Damn. And second place, Saving Private Ryan, with same worldwide gross inflation adjusted seven hundred and fifty-five million. The difference is wow. so insane. It's staggering. That's crazy. That staggering. Dude, people went bananas over Gone with the Wind. Even the they book did. the book was insanely popular. Yeah, which I don't know about you all, but I personally don't love the film. That's a, that's a film. I've never seen it. That's a yeah, film right. that yeah. you watch to check it off your list, in my humble opinion. As long as F. The war comes in like halfway through. It's definitely got a lot of racist moments. And then my humble opinion the best scene in the movie is when that little girl dies i'll say it i'll say it now and i'll say it forever it is hilarious it is so poorly shot you when monster she, she flies off that horse and they've been like <laughs> their relationships going it's tanking she's just like annoying the whole relationship i'm like i could not stand this movie anymore it needs to end and then this little girl's riding on this horse this privileged ass little girl and she goes like and then just like her like body which at that time i don't know if they use a doll it looks hella fake just <laughs> probably like flies into the ground and like the, the music's so dramatic <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> take that family i'm so tired of this movie it was I, probably a real little girl it probably I'm was just back then stunts, you know. <laughs> Only they did their own stunts back then. Yeah, I remember Only two stunt girls were hurt in the making. I, I of this gotta movie. tell a quick and one story. <laughs> on e, on what was it E.T. or something that to make the kid cry? No, it wasn't E.T. It was some other movie though from that time. <laughs> they told her her dog died. Like oh. that's what they did, and that was made in like the sixties or seventies or eighty. I don't know. It was when like adults didn't care about children. Yeah, like, but uh, did that screw child, your feelings, kid. <laughs> did that child never work in film again? Or I don't know. I just know they told her her dog died, that's and that's brutal. how they got her to cry. <laughs> that's rude. Wow. Director Norman Trog threatened to shoot a child actor's dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was in 1931's Skippy. Oh, fun. There's precedent for it. Yeah, there's there's a precedent for that. That's yeah. pretty crazy, though. 
Yeah, so just a little fun fact. Well, it's actually a pretty sad fact, but a fact about Gone with the Wind. It premiered in 1939, so of course, when it came to the Academy Awards, none of the film's actors were allowed, or none of the film's black actors were allowed Mm. to attend, even though it premiered in Atlanta, which is like, you know. Very black. Yeah, very black. Um, And its budget was $3.85 million. 3.85 3.85 wow. million and that's, that's, 3. that's a ton for back then too, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's also like kind of wild. That's why I held back my answer because I was like, oh, that's going to be it. And then I was like, 30s. Like, this wild is 39. Like, they ain't really out of that depression yet. Like, yeah, like who's going to the movies, really? It was, man, that's wild. That's cool. That's why I was thinking, like, I don't know. Pearl Harbor had so much hype. Mm-hmm. You feel like I had to make a good amount of money. Yeah, Pearl Harbor was number three, and then that American Sniper was number four. Man, Pearl Harbor was so boring. Yeah, I, the acting was terrible. <laughs> that one was Ben Affleck, right? Yeah, Ben Affleck. Yeah, and then don't they do like after Pearl Harbor where they're like, well, they do Doolittle's Raid. Ah, uh, that's what yeah. they do. Yeah, I was like, there's stuff after that they included in the war. Like they, they do a big montage of trying to launch those big. Like dual prop planes off an off an aircraft carrier, and they're like, "We gotta reduce the weight." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was so boring. And then they crash on like one of the Japanese islands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, nice, good question, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Let's get back to the draft. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Now <laughs> draft. <laughs> I'm so pumped. Is this in 300? You should be pumped. <laughs> Before we get this jam going, we'll do a quick recap. Dustin's got Saving Private Ryan. Seen it. Tropic Thunder. Seen it. Woo-woo. Matt's got Apocalypse Now and 300. Seen that one. And Dylan's got 1917. Seen it. And Inglorious Bastards. Seen it. <laughs> <laughs> we got A-list. Yeah, Round pretty good. Three. Yeah, I can't be disappointed with those picks. Dustin, you're back up. It's been so long since I've watched this genre, like, a lot, but dang, there's so many good ones left. That's how I know I'm, like, good good topic, gentlemen, good topic. I'm going to go back serious really quick. I'm going to go with Letters from Iwo Jima mm-hmm. because this movie, one, is a part of a two-set. That comes with Flags from Our Fathers, which is based on a book. Read the book. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Really different look. Like, for me, I'm thinking at this point, there's so many war movies in my head for this list. I'm like, you got to include ones that are including or looking at it from a different angle and includes a different aspect of war. So, Flags of Our Fathers, great. By Clinton Eastwood, directing. Then he also directs Letters from Iwo Jima, which I'm not even like a huge diehard Clint Eastwood fan, but you got to give him respect here. He directed a movie in a language he doesn't speak. It's all in Japanese. Yeah, It's all in Japanese. Wow. Yeah. I mean, directing is huge on pacing. There's a lot that they're doing with like the flow of the scene, the dialogue. He didn't know what was being said, like not as a fluid speaker. He might know words and phrases, but that's about it. That's pretty impressive. And it's at the same battle. I mean, a director taking on, we're going to look at one battle from both sides. And they have so many cool things. And obviously World War II for this genre in American cinema is probably, what percentage do you think it is for like how many films are World War II versus other films or other wars? I'll try and find out. Yeah, it's got to be creeping towards 50%. (sighs) It's high. Yeah. It's really high, which, you know, I understand 
you got your audience to think about. I'm watching mostly films with Americans, right, as the main protagonist or the main side that you're focused on. This one's looking at it from the Japanese side, and they really do such a good job, like, showing so many different storylines and different humanity going on. The commander on Iwo Jima, to give a little context, second to last island and battle in the Pacific before Okinawa, before they were gearing up for the mainland. And there was 20,000 Japanese soldiers on the island who pretty much knew they were on their, like, death deathbeds. Yeah. They're there. They're in the pathway to the mainland. They're going to get attacked. There's an important airfield on the island. And they're not allowed to leave. And with the code of honor, Bushido warrior code, with the ways that the Japanese empire and just military was working at that time. I mean, by that point of the war, I believe they had already introduced the kamikaze pilot. So Mm -hmm. there was an expectation. You will die. Yeah. That was such a heavy and rich, like look at that one. The commander on that Island said, nah, we're doing everything wrong. So D-Day, right? Saving Private Ryan, they land on the beach. It's like, whoa, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this one was different. They were like, that's the conventional wisdom. We're going to load up for when they land. He's like, nah, let them land and let them build up there. Then unleash hell. Because they're all going to just pile up into one place the way that the island was. They kind of landed. Uh, the mountain on the island is right by the base. There's a part that you cut off. So they knew they were going to land there. So you have the commander who's a really interesting character because he thought way different. He also thought way different than like, oh, you're left behind. You're in a you're in a part of the island that's cut off. You should kill yourself. He's like, no. Why would you do that? So he's like, they show this tension between him and all the other commanders who are like still with the old school line of thinking. So he's yelling at them. Those commanders are then telling their platoons, nah, this is it. There's a tense scene with one of the main characters. And that's the thing about a war movie. It's not like the other movies. It's not like you're sitting there being like, they're main character. They'll live. Uh Uh-uh. They could die. You probably are going to die. They probably are going to die. Like, oh my gosh, this is it for this character that they show this. I mean, he's like, He's one of those soldiers, too, that I always vibe with, a timid one, like the kind of trope in movies where it's like, man, that'd be me. That'd be me. No, I'd be hella scared. I'd be like trying to duck out in the back like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. I want to go home. So they kind of show him as a little more of a timid guy, a little smaller. And he is in that bunker. Like they did all these underground caves kind of flash forward. Big old tunnel network, yeah. Huge tunnel network. And they're there, and everyone's like taking a grenade to the gut, like – they show and it's horrifying. You're watching, you're like, oh my gosh, he's trying to duck out. And then there's this commander who's like, whoa, hold up. And the friend, this guy, talk about character development, he was super follow the book by the rules. Everything was rule followers. He's the one that bails them out. And they go together to try and escape through the tunnels, make it back home. They show this American POW uh, who gets captured. And, you know, Flags of Our Fathers kind of shows it. The narrative about that battle was it was horrifying. You get sucked into a tunnel, boom, you're gone. Like, horrifying. A lot of people did get tortured, of course, on both sides. They show, like, this humanity to some of the Japanese commanders. There's, I mean, there's so much to that film. Directed by an English-speaking guy. I just can't get over that. That's crazy. It, yeah. it is good. The musical score, too, hits hard. Like, you know those war films. These aren't, like, bangers that you're going to party to. No. They're, like... They're emotional. Yeah, yeah. they're emotional yeah. songs. But this one, 
Oh man. You know, it hits Both. you the, the Olympic horse rider. Yes. Like he is such a compelling character. Woo! Such a compelling character. And that piano piece is just so simple and it's like, damn, this is such a good film. They flash back so many times, like that main commander, they show him before the war. Like America's the last country we should be fighting. It kind of reminds me of the guy who planned the attack on Pearl Harbor. He's mm-hmm. like, This is stupid. Like you're waking a giant, but hey, I'm loyal. So I'll plan the attack and yeah. I'll do it well. Did Clint Eastwood direct that? Yeah. Yes. Oh, no wonder. And he was nominated for best director from it. And I think the only reason why he didn't get it was Martin Scorsese got, uh, he got skipped out so many times for an Academy Award. That was the same year that The Departed came out. He was, uh, he was due. Yeah. He was so due that people were like, are you not going to give it to him again? Mm-hmm. But I mean, in my mind, I'm like, The Departed is good. I like The Departed too. But like another kind of mob chase story. It's good. It's good. I'll take, I'll give you that. But come on. I mean, that was like, it probably would have won in my opinion if it wasn't for Scorsese at that time. Dang, that movie's so good. It's so good. It is a damn good movie. Seen it. Seen yeah. it. Uh, I need to watch that. <laughs> Seen it. You gotta watch yeah. both of them. Yeah. Watch both. Maybe I would do it in the order that they release. Flags of Dude. Our Fathers comes out first, then Letters. Dude, but Clint Eastwood's gotten four Academy Awards, so... Dude, he's it is very great. Yep. I, I mean, he, he's... He t- does good shit. Yes. He does. It is good. He's got a new film coming out. He's gonna keep making films till he dies. Yeah. He's not gonna die. <laughs> he's gonna be the first guy that's like 200 we're gonna be like what the fuck Still he's literally he's like skin and bones literally uh this windbag of bones from clint eastwood and then they're gonna be like <gasps> grand torino <gasps> 2 he's gonna <laughs> his neighbor like get off my lawn it's all good he's just gonna be able to growl i might be 100 years older than you but i know shit listen up <laughs> yeah so nice mm. watch it dylan good Matt. pick all right uh well with my next one i gotta go with one that is a classic it's a uh it, in some ways it is a comedy but in other ways it's just a a good old-fashioned war movie that's got great montages great characters and great action sequences and chase scenes and that is going to be the great escape Oh nice. yeah, yeah. Just a, the quintessential war movie. It's just like this is what war Mr. movies. Mr. Franchise you know? this is a Mr. Franchise pick. I know. I'm surprised. It's I, a classic. I saved it till the third round. <laughs> um, but this is what war movies were like back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was all about like kind of like not like not quite buddy cop, but in that realm of like banter between characters. Yes, there are serious things going on, but it's all part of a larger like I don't gimmick. And their whole thing is that they're going to escape from this POW camp right underneath the Nazis' noses and kind of, like, make fun of them in the process. <laughs> but beyond that, it's got Steve McQueen in it. I love Steve McQueen. Like, one of my, like, favorite, like, old-school actors, without a doubt, when he's jumping that old-school, like, World War II-era German motorcycle, he actually was doing that. He did his own stunts. Like, he was hardcore back in the day. He was a fucking badass. He was crazy <laughs> cool. So he's doing all that and just like, I don't know, you just love all the different little side pieces in that movie of following different characters from Steve McQueen's character, who's kind of the arrogant American POW to like the much more nuanced and subtle British POWs who are like, no, nah, man, we actually have a plan here. Like, don't <laughs> mess up the plan. Like, you're new to the camp. We're actually working on something. And just the great, like, work sequences of them digging tunnels and like, it's just, you almost kind of think of like, hi-ho, hi-ho. 
dig the tunnel we go like it's just it's very it makes you feel good it's a funny movie and it's also kind of weird because it takes a twist at the end where it's like oh yeah it didn't work <laughs> like it, it's a very good war movie and it's, it's very it's very watchable you can watch it over and over and over again just like enjoy it even though it gets a little dark at the end but Oh, no. man, that's an understatement. <laughs> None of them make it. <laughs> and you're like, you're rooting so hard. And they're like, yes, they got out. They got disguises on. And then it's like, oh. <laughs> oh, and most of them are going to die. Yeah, Oops. the Nazis really didn't have much patience for that. Oh, mm -hmm. so. No, that is classic. I remember my friend as a child loved that movie and loved Steve McQueen. So that was an indelible part of my childhood. Um, even though it was a little bit too long at the time for me to focus on, you know, it's quite a long movie it for is. a child to watch, but it was quite good. Quite good. I distinctly remember the music, the whistling yeah. music, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Cause it's all the, you know, they're, they're, they're working together. They're, you know, <laughs> and then Steve McQueen with this baseball glove getting sent to like, you know, the, the tank. Oh the, yeah. He gets sent to like what solitary basically. Uh -huh. and, yeah. Yeah. What a badass. Nice. What a quintessential American. Yeah, a good old-fashioned 1960s <laughs> World War II movie. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. um, okay, well, I guess I better go to mine. I'm surprised this hasn't gone yet. I mean, this is definitely a first-rounder, but, like, it's not here, so I need to put it in. And that's Full Metal Jacket. I oh. was going to go with that one next. My God. Yeah. Okay, so the meaning, in case y'all don't know, what a Full Metal Jacket is, it's a... It's basically like a small arms bullet. Um, it's the brass. With a soft yeah. core um, encased in an, like a, a harder outer shell. Mm -hmm. And so that's quite symbolic for what the movie is, which the movie is essentially about turning soft American men into killing machines um, and how that process is dehumanizing yeah. and is is quite... Fragile yeah. and 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 tragic, yeah. I mean, uh, the, here's a quote from um, the legendary drill sergeant R. Lee Ermey. Yeah, rest in peace. Rest <laughs> in peace. What is your major malfunction, numb nuts? Didn't mommy and daddy show you enough <laughs> attention when you were a child? You know, yeah. you have to grind recruits down to make them fight in such a violent conflict, you know? Mm -hmm. And it also shows uh, the, the dehumanizing nature of a war like Vietnam too, in where, an, oh, sorry. No, where your question, where you, I mean, you question the legitimacy of it, to be honest, you know, in an interesting way, because it does it in two different ways. Cause Stanley Kubrick does almost two different films in one each an hour long. The very, like the first half, a solid half of the film is in boot camp mm -hmm. and it is an entirely different vibe. Very structured, very dehumanizing. They have the guy, spoiler alert, who's going to kill himself, who's being harassed. He's bringing the rest of the troop down and you see him break. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, break as much as you can, obviously. Then when they get to Vietnam, it's such a different movie. It's very unstructured. They're moving around a lot. There's a lot of things, kind of like Apocalypse Now, which obviously Vietnam lends itself well to, because unlike other wars, there wasn't like World War One. there's a line, there's a front. Mm -hmm. You're not World meeting War, an enemy in a field, yeah. World War II, we're moving closer to Berlin. This yeah. is, mm -hmm. we captured the hill, 
cool, we killed a lot of people, now let's leave the hill. Uh And then it gets retaken. And then it's like, nothing makes sense here. Yeah. And even when the movie ends, like it's got such an ending that's not really climatic. It doesn't have one of those endings where you're like, Sparta, like this is one battle against a very uh, imbalanced group, like versus a huge army. And it's going to end with their demise. And it's like, that's the climax, obviously. And it got resolved. They all died. Uh, This one... (laughs) This one is like, it ends with them marching the song, M-I-K-A, blah, 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 right after being like shot at by this sniper who takes a lot of them out and ends up being this young girl, and then they all kill standing around, and it's just like so disorienting mm-hmm. versus the first part, which is so extremely structured in a way to break you down. The other one's going to break you down with just its chaotic factor, mm-hmm. yeah, which is an interesting choice. Good job, Stanley Kubrick. Yes, and there's one scene of note, and this this has less to do with like warfare versus like the side effects of warfare and things involved. But uh, they're in a bar, and these Vietnamese women are sex workers, and they are both trying to attract the men to make money and extremely bored, and it's just so palpable, and and it's it's. It's a very powerful scene. Yeah, Um, and the thing about that scene, if I'm thinking about the same one, which I think they're maybe outside the bar. I thought they were outside. but Maybe, yeah. Anyways, it's kind of one of those things, too, where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, a lot of the stuff in there isn't politically correct, but, like, on the ground with the real soldiers at that time, like, yeah. That's kind of what happened. I bet you that's what was said, and I Mm -hmm. bet you that dynamic play. It's one of those, like, yeah, you're what you got to remind yourself because once again, at that point, there's a couple of those shots of them like in Saigon, not in combat, and kind of like hanging out. And then there's some smoke, like there's some scenes that are not death crazy. They're just crazy because it's like everyone's just like smoking joints and like. Yeah. So then you kind of get into that mindset, but you got to remember this is still wartime when they just got broken down. They don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, then there's these sex workers. There's this whole dynamic going on. Crazy. Yeah. It's a great film. Powerful movie. Good pick. Great film. Movie. Yeah. Mount Draft Mode. Feel like you've been robbed blind? As if a literal piece of you is missing? Are you longing for that extra flap of fleshy skin before you could put it to use? For decades, Foreskin has been broadcast by the medical community as Extra Skin. Extra Skin. No longer. Covenants with God are overrated when you can enjoy sex or personal masturbation from start to completion. Once you use this, your foreskin will turn into a five skin. Your partner will want to give you a high five after oh, that yeah. fine ride. Foreskins, if you don't have one, you're shit out of luck. Blame your parents. Remember to peel back and wash responsibly. Call today. Mount Draft Mark. Marching into the final round. <laughs> round four. Well, I better start round four strong then. The yep. thespians are attacking. The thespians are attacking. <laughs> Mount Draftmore. Mount Draftmore. Um, I think I'm going to start by going back in time again. Time uh, jump. A time jump. I'm going to go with something that I grew up watching as a five-year-old, which I don't know if I should have, but I did. It was a double VHS. 
Ooh. That's right. And it is Braveheart. I love Braveheart. And William Wallace. William <laughs> Wallace. Yeah, it set the standard for medieval uh, war movies and, or, or yeah, TV you shows. Gotta, you got to devote a day to watch that one. Oh, yeah, oh you've got to devote a day to it, but also just the warfare scenes. I mean, even when they were making Game of Thrones, people were still talking about, like, oh, Braveheart. Like, the the way the battles were done were, was just astounding. And it wasn't really until Game of Thrones where, like, that level of warfare on a medieval battlefield was truly... Uh, truly overtook it probably um so good epic tale of william wallace a scottish hero um showcasing scotland who is a bit of an underdog on the world stage to be honest uh being under the thumb of the british of the english colonizers sorry um as someone of scottish and irish descent I, uh, you know, I'm just going to say, like... Go in, Dylan. Come on. Go in. Like, I just... It feels good, okay, to have that the, a film about a Scottish hero. That's cool. Um, so, it's a great film. It's brutal. It has a sweet sex scene in it, uh, which I like. <laughs> <laughs> You're the opposite of middle school, Dustin. You unabashedly are like, yes. Sex. Sexy. I'm I can't believe my parents it. just let me have it in my room. It was like, I don't know <laughs> what to Knock say about that. Knock before you come in. Knock the, before you come in. I watched it with my grandma. The implication. <laughs> yes, good callback. Um, we rented it from Blockbuster and never returned it. That late fee must be insane. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Blockbuster. You mean they you didn't out- tell you when you went to Bend? Uh-uh. Oh. Yeah, I think we had to change blockbusters. There were so many you could do that, though. Dylan's here, like, rewinding and, like, fast forward just to this specific moment. Oh, uh, 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 you said VHS or uh, DVD? VHS. But <laughs> I also... <laughs> it was the real rewind. Yeah, it was. literally, like, re- pause, <laughs> rewind. Man, these, these moldy seats started from a young age. <laughs> yes. All the callbacks. But, uh, yes. I, there's also some really disturbing scenes, like, at the uh, when William Wallace has the flashback, as a child and he's walking through the like I guess what was his family home or shed with all of his village hung by the English colonizers the English had come through and terrorized their village then the English come and they take away his wife and they rape and murder her later on and um, I mean I don't know I think that as a child I didn't realize um, the level at, uh, of the film making there but it's quite good, um, and also a good, it does a good show a job of showing. I think the local elites, if we're going to go into like a core periphery model of analysis, right? The local elites on the Scottish level, um, kind of commiserating with the English mm. overlords too. I don't know. It's cool. It's a great film. Like it's really nice. Good job. Yeah. 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 Mel Gibson kicks some ass in it. You know. He did. Uh, Mel Gibson can never take our freedom (laughs) (laughs) and they moon they moon everyone I remember that distinctly funny Scottish people yeah hey hey Hey, I can claim that because I'm also okay all right all right but uh yeah Mel Gibson kind of weird problematic but uh you know he's 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 a good filmmaker I like uh, Apocalypto as well that was good oh yeah 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 I forgot he made that yeah I haven't seen that in a hot minute that was after the passion yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he went through, he's gone through some weird phases in his life. Yeah. 
Nice, All right, though. Matt, nice. your pick. Oh, boy, the last pick. There's a few ones that I'm kind of juggling with on this, but, uh, you know, maybe because it's fresh on the mind, but I'm going to go with the Patriot, another Mill Gibson yes. classic. There, this is such a unique thing because the, there are hardly any movies made about early, like, War for Independence. I don't know why. Like, you figure that'd be a pretty compelling, like, period of time. I'll tell you why. Muskets. It's not the most sexy. <laughs> one shot. <laughs> one shot you yes. probably missed. It's like, oh, eh. Oh, man. Uh, that's that right. Think about Pack another that movie. Rifle. Oh. But, see, it's I, hard to make it look exciting. I yeah. get it. The muskets aren't the most sexy of weapons. But, man, there's a lot of compelling stuff that happens during the War for Independence, including, did you know, <sighs> this is unrelated but related, but there is a woman, her name was Prudence Cummings Wright, and she... <laughs> <laughs> that name Get your mind out of the gun. Yeah, come on, Matt. <laughs> the implications. Yeah. No, like real this is a real historical figure. And she, while her husband was away in like fighting in the war, she was she like no <laughs> I'm trying to tell a real story. Phrasing. She Comes bounded up another group of like thirty to forty other like Revolutionary War women whose women. Oh, I thought that was yeah, going yeah, deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And the point. <laughs> the point is, is that they all banded together and they would like capture like Tory spies. That's like a legitimate historical figure. So like that's thirty badass. to forty, okay. damn. Girl. And then, <laughs> what did she do with the Tory spies? They, they like straight up like beat them to hell. Like they they were badass. That's why I'm saying there's like subject matter that can relate itself well to this time period. They should make anyway, that into a movie. back to the actual movie. They Good should make story, that Matt. Good story. I was trying Cummings. to tell like a historical commentary. Oh, that was great. Here. So what uh, happens in class? You're learning new stuff. <laughs> Maybe it's like a, teaching a high school class. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This, it's fresh on the brain because I literally just talked about this like. Today, but in any case, so <laughs> the movie itself is actually like I don't know. There's not too many movies where you're like, like, it, some reason like tragedy makes it more triumphant in the end. Like the son dies, and yet it like empowers the main character more because again, he, the whole premise is that he's a salty French Indian War, seven years war veteran. He doesn't want to get dragged into this whole mess. He just wants to live on his farm. He wants to stay out of it. He wants to remain neutral. But his son, Heath Ledger, who's like in his like probably like early twenties, he's like, nah, dad, I'm Jones and I want to go fight the cause, man, fight the power. And then there's obviously like one of the best film villains is that one dude. I forget his name, but like that British oh, commander. Oh, dude, he's so he's good. He's so good at being <laughs> such a dick. Like you love to hate that guy. Jason Isaacs, that's the that's the actor. I forget the actual character's name, but man, do you loathe that like British commander, like he is the worst. But I know Williams Tavington. Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> like he just it, he does such a good job at playing a dick. But <laughs> in any case, the movie progresses again. The son is so gung ho that he gets caught up and he gets killed by that guy. So now the dad's like out for vengeance, and he's also like learning to appreciate why we're fighting for independence along the way. And eventually, you know, it just kind of carries throughout the. The you know the war for independence and ends up everybody's feeling pretty darn good at the end, at the Battle of Yorktown. So I don't know it's a it's a good movie about an underrepresented period of time. Matt, how can you not mention the infamous axe scene? Oh well, yeah, where this is how they hook the viewers because everyone knows, just as Ben said, that muskets are not entertaining. Thus, damn right, they start the scene <laughs> not with muskets because that's what they had, but with axes with. Yeah. Two 
like hatchets and and that's how mel gibson kills his enemies in the beginning of the film they call him just the, the hatchets yeah <laughs> he's a badass and like. he positions multiple muskets so that he can fire them in quick succession like what an like it really is thoughtful action sequence because it's practical it like, is yeah i mean it's great and and it shows also the innovation and like marksmanship that did happen during that time too um, Guns got better, yeah. And guerrilla warfare that was starting to, to kind of develop too, which was kind of cool. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just a cool film, you know. Like it, if you take it at face value of like it's kind of corny, because again, there's like the overtones of like America, even though that whole story behind the war for independence is a little bit more complicated than just that. But if you take it for what it is, it's a good war movie. Like there's plenty of action, there's plenty of drama. Like you really start to root for the main character. It's, it kind of checks all the boxes of what you want from a war film. Absolutely. That's heavily Germanicized. Like, oh, you know. and it's heartfelt when he melts down the lead bullets. Oh, the, the, like the, the symbolism of like melting his son's like little like metal chess pieces into bullets. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, your strategic upbringing is going to lead to our strategic success. He's like, sorry, I got to take your game of Stratego here. I got to go kill yeah. some British soldiers. <laughs> yes. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Dustin, last pick. Yay. So with all the picks, they've been like, they're, it's been happening during war. Yep. So does that mean a film that follow like follows up like the implication or like the post happenings of war? Are those not on the Ooh, table? Man, you read my mind. Because, because there's like one there's one that I've seen that I'm just like, man, I feel like this has to get picked, but I feel like you could justify maybe it doesn't. Oh man, Ben, now you're really tearing at me. I almost like stop talking. Well, no, because I want it. Wait, I want ah, it. Go. So, I don't even know if it's the same though, because I'd be surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I'd be surprised if you have seen it. Cause I feel like it's obscure. Is the one you're talking about obscure? I feel like it depends on like what genres you watch. This falls in a genre that I watch a lot. Is old or new? Uh, my birth year, nineteen eighty-eight. Okay, different film. Okay. Never mind. You're good. Go for it. But you should talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. What movie is it? I'm thinking of Grave of the Fireflies. Haven't oh, seen it. dude! It's a Studio Ghibli, and it picks up in Ooh, September, nice. right after World War II, and it follows two orphans mm. who are basically like. They're experiencing the fallout of both the atomic bombings and like the economic struggle struggle of Japan. I'd say it counts because I, I have one in my head that definitely counts, and that sounds fascinating. It's attached to the war; it's a product of it. So even if there's no combat scene, hell yeah, that sounds like riveting. Yeah, it's good. You should I gotta check look it out. It up. I definitely will. Damn you! Your pick. <laughs> Sorry, I have a pick in my head. I'd categorize it as a. To win pick, and then the other one is a Dustin pick. Because <laughs> voting members here, I'd be like, oh, there's a clear one that I, I, I'm i like, ooh. Star-studded cast, Matt will like that. I always love a good cast. <laughs> Iconic, I mean, yeah. Star-studded cast. <sighs> then this other one is like obscure, but I kind of like that it does what Ben's talking about, which it talks about the fallout. Ben, which one? I mean, I say be yourself. You've got it, dude. Your lineup is so heavy. It's stacked. Saving yeah. Private Ryan, yeah. Tropic Thunder, Letters of Iwo Jima. You're the only one whose whole team I have seen so far. Well, I'm going to change it now unless I went with the to win pick. Okay, I'm going to go with the me pick. 
The two win pick I was going to pick was Glory because it's, I mean, Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman. And I do think they actually do a pretty good job with the muskets in there. They kind of, I mean. First Civil War movie is pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. pretty darn good. I've seen that. Okay, good. So maybe I wouldn't have gotten your pick. The one that I want, though, is one that surprised the hell out of me big time. It's called The Best Years of Our Lives, 1946. Ben, your Studio Ghibli one came out in 1980. This is a yeah. fucking year after World War II. A year. Damn, that's like real. Like wow. they're, they're moving and grooving, making that one. About soldiers getting back from the war, they're still effing living that experience. They're yeah. still stationed overseas. They just got out of Frank Capra, This Is Why We Fight Propaganda Films. Mm-hmm. America, we're about to go into the 50s. Speak bad about America or war or what we're doing. We got communism to fight. This is such an interesting point in time that this movie came out, won, let's see, I think it's seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Film Editing, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score. And this is about a few soldiers coming back from war. Let me explain the oddity of when you see this movie and you're like, it's 1946. I was going through American Film Institute's top 100, seeing stuff like Gone with the Wind, where I was like, I'm checking it off my list. It's long as fuck. I'm kind of bored. But here we go. This one came up, and I'm like expecting low-key propaganda. There's a soldier who lost his hand. They about to show a scene with him and his wife who waited for him to get home. She wants to get down, and he is having insecurities about his loss of a hand, his loss of manhood, his body insecurities. He can't cope. All these soldiers who can't cope going back to civilian life. In 1946, this is a weird movie to come out during that time, and it is good. It hits hard. It does not hold back. It is political. It is, like, heart-touching. And that whole scene is just like, whoa. And I'm thinking what Ben was saying. That was what was going through my head. Right now, if I'm not mistaken, we all have happening in the war films, right? I mean, to an extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. like. So this was just to build on your case. Yeah. This was such a significant film that in 47 and 49, there were four separate half-hour adaptations for radio. Oh, wow. Where the original movie cast came to reprise their roles. Whoa. So it was so good in theaters and it had such a positive reception from the whole U.S. community that they were like, we need to adapt this so more people can listen to it so it can share that experience with other people who've gone through it. Yes, wow. and not only that, but it won seven Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Film Editing, Best Adapted Screenplay, and best original score, which pretty much checks all the boxes. I mean, it it's the highest. It was the highest grossing film in the U.S. and U.K. since Gone with the Wind. So yeah, I mean, talking about propaganda, because when Marjorie said that, I was like, you know, you don't really super watch war movies, so it's kind of like, which ones are you talking about? One, but I knew what she meant. And the farther back you go, the more likely you are going to get some like hoorah. American military kind yeah. of stuff. It opens with them on a B-29 maybe, or maybe it's a, I think it's a B-29 at that point. 
they're looking down at all the houses, talking about their life, which you see a bunch in war movies. That trope of what are you going to do when you get back home? Yeah. You always is see there, that. Is there a girl still waiting for you? Yeah. Yeah. You see that in movies still made today. Yeah. In the war. Imagining what's going to happen. This is, oh shit, this is now, and mm-hmm. their expected realities of what it's going to be like does not match up with how effing hard it is to go back. And my AP U.S. history teacher used to always say, part of it was the time. You don't have that much time in a school year. He's like, we will never cover a war military-wise. I'm sorry for all the military historians in here. Oh, I do the same thing, yeah. We're always going to do the buildup and and the the post. Because, I mean, honestly speaking, the battles are important because of the outcomes in the before and after. Like, what's going to change after that war? And World War II changed so much. Dang. It goes hard. Nice. Watch the movie. Yeah, that's. Uh, it sounds like the best movie that I've never heard of. Like, yeah, yeah, I should watch that. It's on my list now. Glad I sold it. Good job, good job, good job, everybody. Make, 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 make their case to be logical and clear. You got to be logical and clear, Dustin. You got to make your case first. You ready? Yep. All right. Like Matt said, Saving Private Ryan, gold standard, World War II films, Tom Hanks, America's sweetheart. They played this in the American Cemetery at Normandy. That means even people who are associated with the people who actually fought there thought they did a good enough job to put it in there for people passing through, families of veterans. That says a lot about the film. Tropic Thunder, funny as fuck. It's so good. It 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 really stands the test of time. It is a smart comedy. You don't have to think that much. He's a comedian or the writers in the room. Knew enough about the comedy to get you to think without you even thinking about thinking. Ooh, I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. That's what that sentence just was. And I had letters from Iwo Jima. Great. Switch it up. World War II from the other side's perspective. And it is so good. The characters in it, fantastic. And then the sleeper pick, or no, it's not a sleeper pick. The obscure fourth round pick that you got to go see, 1946, heavy hitter, seven Academy Award winner, super important film about the return for these soldiers going back into society. Something that at a time when they called PTSD shell shocked, right? Because that was still that time where they referred mm-hmm. to it that way. I mean, they they came back with, I don't think, very many resources. You can talk about the GI Bill, sure, financial help. But, like, mental health-wise, I feel like they wasn't were left on people's hand. radars, no. No, it wasn't on their radar. So, complete cast of films. Nice. Nice. Matt, you're next. All right. Start off here, I got Apocalypse Now 300, The Great Escape and The Patriot. With Apocalypse Now, a thought-provoking film really gets into the question of, well, why were we in Vietnam to begin with? And also... What happens to soldiers in combat, right? Talking about the breaking of psyches and that questioning of motives and really what's the overarching objective of all this. A crazy, incredible cast, soundtrack, some of the most iconic like quotes in all of movie history. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Like You can go <laughs> on and on and on with that movie. 300, just buckle up and enjoy that Zack Snyder joyride, right? That's just a good old-fashioned Zack Snyder war film. Old school, we're talking about the Greeks versus the Persians way back in the day. We are Sparta. This <laughs> is Sparta. Uh, next up, we got Great Escape. One of the best, just overall, like, montage like, objective-based war films 
especially in the 1960s. I mean, Steve McQueen should sell that on its own. But in the fact that they're trying to bust out of this POW camp under the nose of the Nazis, there's humor along the way, but there's also uh, character building and relationship building. And ultimately, it ends not the way you would expect, which is that there are no happy endings. And I guess that's kind of the commentary on the film itself is that despite all these good feelings, it's still war. Uh, and then finally, The Patriot. Talk about good old-fashioned Mel Gibson kicking ass in the early years of the American War for Independence. You got some good cast members, Jason Isaacs, Heath Ledger, Mel Gibson. It goes on and on and on. It's good, just good old-fashioned war film. There you go. Mm. 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 Dylan, mm. you ready? Mm. <laughs> mm. No, I'm not going <laughs> to... Mm, mm. Okay. Go mm, on, mm, go mm. on, go on. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got 1917, Inglorious Bastards, Full Metal Jacket, and Braveheart. Let's start with 1917. World War One, often an untold story, um, somehow forgotten in the midst of all the other wars we've been in, maybe. Uh, definitely a cinematography masterpiece and uh, a tale in loneliness and the horrors of warfare. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, hilarious, also horrifying, but satisfying to see Hitler shot a bunch of times and killed. Um, hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Full Metal Jacket, another Vietnam War flick. Uh, I would say equally as good uh, as Apocalypse Now. Um, it explores the dehumanizing nature of warfare as well as its chaos. Uh, especially in a war such as Vietnam, where nothing is a certainty for a soldier on the field. And finally, Braveheart, where we travel back in time to battle those evil English colonizers uh, with that hero, William Walsh. I'm not an oppressed person. I just want to say that. But you know what? The Scottish were oppressed at my that time. My ancestors were. My ancestors were. <laughs> and uh, they fought back and, and they, they lost. <laughs> it did not end well, actually, at all. It did not go well. His, William head, Wallace. Ended up, his head ended up on a spike. Vote <laughs> uh, for me. Vote <laughs> uh, for me. That's pretty good. All right, y'all. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Mount Draftmore. Don't forget to vote for a winner. You can do that at Instagram. That is Mount Draftmore uh, on Instagram. You can also suggest topics to us at our other social medias, those being Facebook uh, at Mount Draftmore. On Twitter at Draftmore. Instagram at Mount Draftmore. That's right. Let us know. Also, you can email us at Mount Draftmore or Mount Draftmore at gmail.com. If you have like comments about the show, things you vibe with, things you disagreed with, I mean, let us know and we'll read them on the air. Of course, we appreciate you listening. We're just beginning the second season, going 40. We're going to be with you for 40 weeks. Well, I guess at this point, it's like 36 weeks, but you get our point. You know what we're saying. So until next time, be safe. Thanks for listening. Love you. Peace. Peace. Bye bye.